0: let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful day that you have provided for us. And Father, I pray just as we sing these words that we would mean them from our hearts that you are a beautiful, big, holy God. There is none like you here on earth or in the heavens above. You're matchless in your glory, Lord. And so, Father, this morning, would you speak to our hearts as we dive into your words? Father, we lift up our pastor, Pastor Bruce. Please be with him as he's speaking in Dallas this morning. Would you uh, fill him with your spirit as he preaches um, the gospel, as he teaches your word? Father, I pray that you would protect him as he goes off and teaches in Boston this week, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated this morning. Alyssa, my wife, has uh, this running joke that I am, a, I am a nerd, and I feel like she has a point coming up here with all these books this morning. Well, good morning, Crosspoint. My name is Byron. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I, I get the honor and privilege of leading the youth ministry. And before we dive into the scriptures, I wanted to share something with you that I've been wanting to share with you guys for a long time. But have not had the chance to, and so um, I think the scriptures actually uh, say it better than I can say it. So I'm going to read you a portion of scripture from First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. It says this: When Timothy comes, <clears throat> see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him; help him in his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him. With the brothers. Now, Paul here gives instructions to the church in in Corinth to welcome Timothy, to bring him in, to make him at peace, to make him feel welcome. And I share this verse with you and I share this with you because what the church in Corinth did for Timothy, you guys, Crosspoint, have done for me and my family. Um, By all outside measures, I came into a church, I came into this church as a true outsider. I came with a different background, different denomination. I came uh, into a youth ministry that has seen a lot of turnover in the last four or five years. And I also came in the middle of a pandemic. By all outside uh, forces looking in, I'm walking into a disaster. I'm walking into a minefield. However, um, to my great relief and to the testimony of this church... I have walked into a wonderful, generous, kind church who have brought me and my family in. Your welcome, your peace, your comfort, your help, your partnership in the gospel has meant so much to us as we started Crosspoint. And honestly, we thought we were walking into a church, but what we walked into is a family. And so Crosspoint, we just wanted to take an opportunity to say thank you so much for welcoming me, my wife, our kids, my parents, You guys have been, my brother, you guys have been so warm and welcoming to us, and we're so thankful, and it really has been a a beautiful thing. So thank you, Crosspoint. We really do appreciate everything you've done for us. Um, We are grateful. Alyssa was sick a few weeks back with her eye, eye injury, and you guys sent us dinners and phone calls and text message. Man, we couldn't be more grateful. And the beauty is we're just getting started, amen? We are just getting started. So Enough with the mushy-gushy stuff. Let's dive into God's word this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We are going to be looking at a portion of scripture this morning in Matthew 28 that talks about discipleship. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, or you have a device, please turn with me to Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It says this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time. And as we dive into what it means to be a disciple, And as we look to your word as what discipleship means, I pray, Father, that we would all dive in this together. I pray that we would see that discipleship is for everyone and not just for the pastor or for the quote-unquote elite. And so, Father, help us understand this truth that we may see you more clearly and make much of you, Father. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I have the privilege of talking about discipleship. And this concept of discipleship, which I'll define in a moment, um, has its roots in, it, in the Old Testament. We see it here in the New Testament. We see it here in the Gospels. We see it in the book of Acts and further on in the Bible. But discipleship is a central part of our Christian faith. It's a, a central part of our Christian walk. And now I'm, I'm particularly passionate about discipleship, because Alyssa and I, my wife and I, saw discipleship up close when we were about um, 18, 19, 20. Alyssa and I got married very young, uh, probably too young to, for people to be married. We were nineteen, twenty. We got married very young. And to my father-in-law's credit, to my father-in-law's credit, he said, the only way for you to have my full blessing is if you meet with a couple every week until you get married. And for us, that turned out to be sound advice. We met with one of the pastors from my father-in-law's church, Pastor Sam and his wife, Krishana, and we met every week for a year and a half. And it was a wonderful time. They met with us. They opened up the scriptures to us. They taught us what it meant to be a husband in the Lord, what it meant to be a wife in the Lord, what it means to be a faithful parent in the future, what it meant to follow Jesus with our our lives. We even worked through some of the things that we were bringing into the marriage before we got married, and it saved us a lot of grief and trouble. Honestly, what it did is it set us up for a really great marriage. And I'm happy to say um, not a perfect marriage, but a great marriage. And I'm happy to say that we'll be celebrating uh, 10 years later on this year, and we're grateful to the Lord for his discipleship, for, his, for the people that he's put in the church to disciple, um, to disciples us. And we are called also to disciple. Let me give you a working definition for the word disciple discipleship. Here's a working definition for us. Showing people how to get saved showing people how to get saved, baptized, and helping them to follow Jesus. Let me repeat that. Showing people how to get saved, baptized, and helping them follow Jesus. Mark Dever, a pastor from um, Washington, says this, discipleship is deliberately doing spiritual good to someone so that he or she will be more like Christ. I think it's a great definition for discipleship. Now, Jesus here, Jesus here in the passage that we're reading here in Matthew 28, he gives us a full picture and definition of discipleship, like we just read. This portion of scripture is called the Great Commission, and it's something that we all are to participate in. So look with me at Matthew chapter 28 as we kind of dive and pick apart this verse together. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says this, go therefore and make disciples of all Nation. So he does three things here. He says to us three things here. Number one, he says, Go make disciples of many nations. Now, what he's saying here is go find people who don't know the gospel. Tell them about the gospel. Get them saved and stay with them so that they can learn. So, number one, make disciples. Number two, keep going in the scripture. It says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we are commanded to get people saved and then to baptize them. And as a Baptist church, we say yes and amen to that. We love baptisms here at Cross Point Church. And so he calls people to discipleship, to baptizing. And then here in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Now, here's where I want to spend most of my time looking at teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Essentially, what Jesus is saying here is that discipleship takes work. Discipleship takes a commitment. It requires blood, sweat, and tears from us. Discipleship is more than just a transfer of information, although it's not less than that. It's more than a transfer of information. Jesus said it here, teaching them, instructing them. However, the word observe here also means to obey. It means to obey. So we are called to teach others, tell people about Jesus and help them to obey. Now the transfer of knowledge, would you agree with this statement? The the transfer of knowledge is way easier than getting someone to obey what you have told them. You really, really can tell this um, if you're a parent in the room, you really understand this concept. You ever been there? You ever been there when you tried to tell your child a very, very creative way not to lie? You gave them the best reasons in the world. You said to them, lying is a sin against the Lord, and to tell the truth is a better way. You tried to just download that knowledge onto them. And then, a few moments later, in a matter of seconds, those little sinners that bear your last name, Go and tell you a lie to your face. Why is that? Because a transfer of information is not full discipleship. It's easy for us to teach, but we must walk with people, especially with our children, to work with them to obey so that they would observe all that the Lord has commanded. Discipling your child, discipling one one another, requires life on life it requires constant reinforcement it requires love and communication it requires you being a part of their lives it requires you taking the time to show them what the scriptures say discipleship is more than transfer of information it's day by day teaching them to observe all that jesus has commanded I want you to notice also that discipleship is not just a command given to the disciples here. Discipleship is for everyone. And if you're taking notes, that's what the sermon is called. Discipleship is for everyone. Discipleship is not for the elite. It's not for the super saved. It's not for the Christian who's been walking with Jesus for 30 years. Discipleship is for everyone. Pastor Jim and I were having a great conversation this week about this. And he pointed out that in John chapter 4, do you guys remember that story of the lady at the well, the woman at the well? And Jesus tells her how to be saved. And then right after that, he says, now you go tell people how to be saved. What do we know about this lady of what she knew about following Jesus? She knew one thing. She knew how to get saved. But from that moment on, Jesus said, you are equipped to disciple. It's not just for the elite or the pastors. It's for everyone. Jesus carries that sentiment here. In verse 20, look at the end of verse 20, after I have commanded you, he says, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. What did he mean that by that? What he meant is he intended discipleship to continue Till the very end, discipleship was meant to carry on through the years and years of him delaying for his return, that discipleship would be a part of our lives. That means that discipleship is not just for the teachers, but it's also for the painters, for the plumbers, for the construction workers, from the computer tech to whatever it is that your career is in wherever space God has you placed in, you are called to disciple. That means single people, married people, parents, grandparents. We are all called to discipleship. I think that covers every age group represented here because what I'm trying to say is everyone is called to discipleship. Now, discipleship is not a New Testament concept. It's not a new concept. It's something that God has ordained and orchestrated to be throughout humanity's um, DNA. God intended for this, even from long ago, that we would be involved in discipleship. Well, how do I know this? Well, turn with me in your Bibles. I'm only going to ask you to turn one other place, but turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy, to the beginning of your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This verse that we're going to read is usually a verse tied to parenting, but I think it's a wonderful pattern also to discipleship. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 9, and we're going to see what discipleship really looks like. It says this, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long, verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you, and the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, pay attention here. It gets really good. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. Now, notice verse 7 with me. Look at this beautiful picture of discipleship. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall be as frontals between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Now, notice what he's saying here. Notice what Moses is saying here in verse 1. He says this God commanded Moses, and Moses was to teach and disciple the children of Israel. It says that here. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. So Moses was a discipler. Not only that, look at me in verse 7. It's not just a passing along of information. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently. So yes, you shall teach them. But when shall you teach them? When you sit in your house. When you walk, by the way. When you lie down. And when you rise up. It's life on life. It's walking with someone every single day. It's when you're sitting together at the dinner table, Jesus is in the conversation. Discipling is in the conversation. It's when you're in the car with your teenager and they have a headphone in, you need to slap it out and tell them about Jesus. It's when you are very tired at the end of the day, and you have just enough strength to pick up the Bible and open it with your wife or with your kids. It's day by day. It's befriending that person and day by day, living it out, the gospel with them. The Bible is full of examples like this. The Bible is rich with examples like this. Titus chapter two, verse four says, Older women teach the younger women. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, Paul tells Timothy to train and teach others who will train others who will train others. So discipleship on discipleship on discipleship. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, fathers, us fathers out there, teach your children. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 13 says, exhort one another daily. So we encourage one another daily in our discipleship. 1 Peter 4:10 says serve one another with the giftings you guys all have unique giftings that God has given you and we're called to serve and disciple one another in those giftings. Acts chapter 18 verse 24 tells us to explain God more accurately to people. So we're all called to this. We're all called to this discipleship, life on life, and here it is. In the book of Deuteronomy Two millennia before Jesus Christ. We see it. We read it. Now, every Christian should be doing two things. Every Christian should be doing two things. Number one is this. Helping unbelievers become believers by showing them Christ. Do you know someone who doesn't know Christ? Show them the beauty and the riches of following Jesus, of of laying our sin behind and following the God who forgives us and restores us. We are called to do that. But number two, they should also be helping others grow into maturity as Christians. We all are called to this. Now, this begs the question, right? This begs the question that you and I see in the scriptures that we're all called to disciple. We're all called to this. We see how important it is. But how does this play out practically in our church, in our day-to-day lives? How do we do this discipleship. First, I want to start off as a church. I want to start off what this means as a church. If you're a member here at Crosspoint, we have some amazing groups. Even if you're not a member, we would like to invite you. We have some amazing groups here at Crosspoint. We have groups like Restoration, where you can be discipled in recovery. We have groups like Youth Group. So if you're a high school or junior higher or have a high school and junior higher, we want to help disciple your students. We have ministries like Grief Share, where if someone is grieving, we want to help disciple and bring help and healing into your lives. Now, this church is just big enough that you can be a, someone who sneaks, out, sneaks in and sneaks out every week. You can park your car, you can run to the back, then when the, last, when the prayer is ending, you can run to your car and not plug in. Our, our church is big enough where you can do that. However, that's not how the Lord intended for us to live in membership at church or in partnership or in discipleship in a church. Small groups is a place where you can dive into the life of this church, where you can plug in with different families, with different people in this church, where you can disciple and be discipled. Small groups are wonderful are a place for you to share what you need help with how we can pray for you how we can disciple one another your experience with parenting is this way and my experience is this maybe we have have some middle ground every Christian should be discipled and disciple one on one we are called and I and I would say that this is the most beneficial to way to disciple, one-on-one. Older guys in the church, find a younger guy in the church to disciple. Pick a guy. Find him and say, you, next Saturday morning, you're gonna wake up earlier than your bedtime at 7 a.m. and meet me at a coffee shop, and we're gonna go through the Bible. We need your wisdom. We need your help, older guys. We are living in a crazy time, and we need your help. Go through the book, Knowing God Together by J.I. Packer. What an incredible book that is. And helping a young man understand the riches of who God is. That is true discipleship. Older women, reach out to younger ladies in the church who need you. They need you also. They need to know what it's like to be a working mom who has kids and how do you handle walking with Jesus and how do you handle uh, talking with my husband and things like that. We Need you and that is what discipleship is. Younger people, ask older people around you for mentorship, for time together, where you get together and you talk about the things of God and you walk together in the Lord. Single people, find a younger, younger person, a younger, single person. God has blessed you with more time than us married and parents have. And so God has given you the ability and the flexibility to use your time to intentionally disciple younger people who you know. Discipleship should look like reading the scriptures together, praying together, talking about specifics together. Let me give you just a quick example of a a, a silly example of discipleship that just happened to me um, a few weeks ago. I get the awesome privilege of hanging out with the pastors here, and Jim, uh, Pastor Jim, was in a similar boat than I was. He has five boys. I have three boys. He beats me a little bit, but I think together we can make a super basketball team. I'm, I'm still trying to convince him, but he said I approached him and said, "My kids are wonderful. They're awesome. They're super energetic. They keep fighting, and I need them to stop. It's driving us mad." And he said, "Oh, I got, I got just the solution." And Jim said, you have them tie their arms together um, and make them count, I think it was like two minutes, you have them two minutes, and they don't want to be that close to each other, so they'll stop fighting because that forcing them to be together is, is what stops the fighting. Well, I was like, great, sound advice, thank you, love you, praise Jesus. So we go to a park a few weeks ago. We were at the park. My kids were nonstop fighting from the moment they opened their eyes till about 1 p.m., which is the time the story is taking place. I was so frustrated with them, and I wish I could say I never lost my temper. I was so frustrated with them, I took off my mask, which is a bandana. I wear a mask as a bandana. I took it off, I tied their legs together, and I said, you must take 20 steps because Pastor Jim told me to do this. You take 20 steps, and when you can do that without fighting, you can be untied. They did not fight the rest of the day. It was amazing, and they did it. It took them about 15 minutes, and praise the Lord, I was discipled in this. And now it's another tool in my belt to work with my kids. But listen, we had done everything for hours to try to get our kids to get along, to not fight, to honor one another. Pastor Jim just could have said, you know, the Bible says that your your sons need to honor one another, and they need to do that. And that is true. And I did teach them that. But that life on life, that downloading information, that us walking through it together, saved our Saturday a few weeks ago. And that is a small and cute picture of what discipleship is like. Something we're all called to. Now, as the youth pastor of this church, I get to talk about the kids and the students. And I want to take a little bit of time to do this. And the reason I want to do this is to share with you and maybe give you an update of how things are going in the youth ministry, but also so that you can be praying for us, because the youth is, our, is the next generation of this church. The students and the kids here at Crosspoint are the next generation. I think the most important and worthy pursuit is to invest and disciple the kids and our students in this church. The reason I say that is for many of reasons, but let me read you this for those of you who um, are into statistics and, and some outside study. A study came out last year called Promise and Peril, The Decline of Religion in America by Lyman Stone. Now, this is made by a company that really addresses educational, education in our secular world. And he says this, this has been a suspicion of mine for years, and finally, uh, I was able to put some language to what I was thinking. The mind of a child is already made up by high school, whether they will remain in the faith or not. So, I think we think that kids grow up in a church, they grow up in a Christian home, and then when they get to college and they hear one of their philosophy professors talk to them about evolution or naturalism or something like that, they are so shaken. They are so rocked to their core that they walk away to the faith, and we say, those darn secular educational systems. But actually, what this study is saying is that the battle for the students starts with discipleship before they leave the home. It starts in high school, it starts in junior high, it starts in the home when they're, when they're little. Here's the good news, here's the good news of the study kids will more likely stay in the faith and embrace it as their own, up to 80% more. If throughout their childhood, they're discipled four times a week, the study says it goes up 80%. Now, in, in the statistic world, that's unheard of. That is a high, high number. That is an anomaly. So what he's saying is, if you disciple your child at least four times a week, they have a fighting chance to embrace faith on their own. Now, here's what I want to point out to you. Secular studies is finally catching up to what the Bible has been telling us all along. Look at Proverbs 22, 6 with me. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So discipleship starts now, for our students, it starts now. And studies are finally catching up to what we have been saying all along. This is why Sandra Hills, our CP Kids Director, has devoted her life to this, to kids' ministry. This is why I have devoted my whole entire adult life, my long adult life, into kids' ministry. But for 12 years, I've devoted Myself to helping young people follow Jesus and disciple them because the battle starts now, not then. It starts now. I'm devoted to our young people because like never before, I believe in the saving work of Jesus to help them. And they are up against more secularism, more distractions, more social media, and more sin that's ever been available to each and every single one of us but we have a God who wants to save them, who wants to use them, who wants to grow them, who wants to keep them. Amen? If you have a junior hire or a high schooler here at Cross Point Church and they come to youth group, I have them once a week. And you have them six. And according to the study, we must partner together to dis- disciple your student. But ultimately, the burden falls on us. Amen? It falls on us. It falls on me to raise my kids in the faith. But we want to partner with you. Listen to the mission, sh- mission statement of CP Kids. Um, Sandra came up with this, and I think it, it uh, speaks volumes to the heart that we have here at this church. CP Kids exists to partner with parents, to lead children to know, love, and serve Jesus. Discipleship to our kids, our students, has to be our highest priority. So volunteering in CP Kids, or volunteering in the youth ministry, or serving in those kinds of ministries isn't just about babysitting. What it becomes is true discipleship and discipleship of the next generation that you and I are called to participate in We are all called to this. Now, I want to give you a few practical tips, help um, from one beggar to another beggar, from one struggling father to another struggling father and mother, any kind of help I can give you to help follow Jesus and help point people the way to Jesus. By the way, I will send this to Bruce. He will include it in in the email. So if you're not signed up for that, please sign up for it because this will hopefully will be a helpful resource for you guys. Okay, so if you're an adult in the room and you want to disciple people and you want to choose someone and start doing this, there's a few resources that are really helpful to you guys. And this first one is called Discipling. It's a really small book and I think it's made that way on purpose. It's an easy book. You can sit through it too, in a few sittings. You can read through it in a few sittings and it's really helpful by a guy named Mark Dever, subtitled, How to Help Others Follow Jesus. If you are... Um, an older guy or gal and you're trying to meet with someone younger and, you're help, and you want to help them, see them grow and mature, these are two books that are amazing. And actually, this, the guy version of this book is so good, I read it every single January. It's called Disciplines of a Godly Man and, of course, Disciplines of a Godly Woman. And go through that with somebody. It will be incredibly helpful for you in your walk with the Lord. Now, for you parents out there who are struggling just like me, There is, um, by the way, this book, the discipleship one, the small one, is great for coaches if you're a coach in the room. Go ahead. Uh, Family discipleship. If you're a parent in the room, um, this is a great helpful guide on how to disciple your students and your kids throughout all of life. It addresses all of it. And it quotes great authors, and the quotes on this book is worth the price alone. Um, I have a four, a seven, a a six-year-old who's gonna be seven in a week, and an eight-year-old, and the four-year-old cannot sit for more than three seconds flat. I think some of you guys can feel my pain on this one. And so one of the things that I have been having to do with him is to read the Bible with him while he's in the bath. That's the only way he'll do it. But like I said, I'm, trying, I'm discipling you guys and trying to help you guys. And we read through the story, the Jesus Storybook Bible. This is an amazing Bible for little kids. It's very creative, very well done. And then last one. For my older kids they have just been loving this it's called Theology which is short for theology and this one tells you one page it's literally just one page that gives you a theology of who God is and, and some things that we believe with a scripture and it's an amazing resource for um, us parents wrapping up if you are not a Christian here If you are new to church, if you are new to this thing called discipleship, we want to invite you in. We want to invite you to know Jesus. You see, we have a good God who created us good, but we have sinned by turning away from his law. And because he is good, he will punish our sin. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect life and he lived a perfect life that we could not live. And he died the death that we should have died on the cross. He became a sacrifice and a substitute for you and me. And if you were willing to repent for your sin, if you would repent of your sin and put your trust in Christ alone, he will save you and invite you into this church family. And we want to disciple you and help you grow and to see you follow Jesus with your life. For those of you who have been walking with Jesus for a while, this is a charge for you to pick up the baton so that you can pass it on to the next generation. I think of a relay, and as you're running and putting your arm back, you are handing the baton to the next generation. Now this portion of scripture that we just read in Matthew chapter 28 is called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission has a commandment for us to go make disciples. Now can you, what a calling God gives us. What a purpose God has given us. What a worthy pursuit God has given us to make disciples of all nations. He is inviting us into it. And I think the best part of all, what, my favorite part of this scripture is at the end. Look with me at the end of the scripture. It says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The promise of, the, of discipleship is also a promise of fellowship from the Father. The Father will be with you in your pursuit to disciple people. The Father promises relationship and fellowship with him as you go and make disciples of all nations. The Father promises to be there. think about John chapter 20. You remember when Jesus said, hey, if you don't remember, the Spirit will remember, will remind you all the things that I have taught you. It's that same idea that the Father is there as we disciple. I wonder what our church would look like in 2021, even in the midst of a pandemic, if we would all enter into discipleship the way the scriptures have called us to, and like never before. Amen? Let's pray. And so, Father, we thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we are so grateful that when you saved us, you didn't just save us and leave us here. You gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you gave a calling to each and every single one of us to make disciples of all nations. And so, Father, thank you for this church that has risen to the occasion always. Thank you for a church that's committed to discipling. But, Father, I pray that we would reunite our excitement in discipleship if we have lost our way. And that we would be reminded that the students and kids in this church need our help Our kids, our grandkids, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, our neighbors, we all need discipling. And so, Father, I pray that we would all take up this mantle, that discipleship is for everyone, and we would walk with you, and you would walk with us as we do this. In Jesus' name, amen. I think Pastor Jim has an announcement for you guys. No, that's it. Okay. Church, thank you so much. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Grace and peace to you and your families. Thank you so much. We love you. If you need anything from us, please let us know, and we'll see you guys next week.